shimmy the pulp out over a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do that at Wookie Hole. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Withers. And I'm Cheese. And this is Fools of Tools, a podcast for the viable Vatman. No, 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 no. Fucking knew that was coming. I nearly did it. I was like, no, because that'd be silly. And also Al's going to do it anyway. Uh, gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? Brett, how are you? I'm all right. Cool. Al, what about you? Hold on. <laughs> do I get to tell you what I've been up to? Yeah, go on then. Okay, yeah. So the last week, since last we spoke, um, I got to spend a little bit more time with Dandles and Jandles before they took off. Um, I did a welding day with Daniels, or a welding couple of hours. Uh, I'm sure he's listening, or at least Janie is listening, and I will reiterate to the rest of the peoples that listen to this podcast, but Dan was a natural, and the amount of people, which isn't a ton, but the amount of people that I've tried to take through uh, welding and just like give them the basics, here's what we're looking for, this is how you judge how good your weld is, all that kind of stuff, he nailed it, and it was... Very strange knowing that this wood turner and this guy that works for a wood company and, a, and an equipment company and all this stuff suddenly is, uh, he's downright silly with his welding. It was very tasty. So I'm glad I got to be there for that and be part of that experience. I did maybe put it in their ears that they could be looking for a welder just for odds and bodkins around the house. <laughs> that was really fun. And then I hopped in the car and started driving east because I am currently sat at my folks' place in Kansas City. I wanted to come see him for a few days, take a little trip for myself, and en route, en route. I did have a business consult that we had been talking about, me actually going on-site in Dallas, in Texas, and I'm so glad I did it and actually get to see the place where I might do a renovation here in the future. Uh, it's a friend of a friend's bar, and it really needs some TLC, and I'm glad I went there, but it was good to do. We just kind of aligned it to where I was like, I'm thinking about going and taking a road trip. And he was like, well, if you do that, you should come do a consultation here because we can look at everything, and I can take photos and all that. And then what, I jogged up here. What state is Kansas City in? Uh-huh. Kansas it's in well which kansas city are you talking about that's what i mean yeah, you yeah, which kansas, one are you in kansas like why do you do that like why i don't know do they kansas separated it by a river and just went called the both sides the same thing do you, do you know how many fucking boltons there are in england steve give him a break it's very true <laughs> yeah but, uh i'm on the kansas side i am originally <laughs> from kansas city kansas in a small little town that is as of last night driving in blossomed uh, there's a lot more stuff and people out here, and it's a little weird because they grew up around cornfields and soybeans, and now there's less of that and more cookie-cutter houses and whatnot. You sound like an old man. Well, <laughs> let me tell you I can you remember about. when this was all fields. I can remember when this was just what the sunlight touched is what we farmed, and out here, uh, it was a simple life, and now it's changed. <laughs> Uh, speaking of changes, Al, what have you been Speaking of simple, Al. <laughs> uh, no change here. Um, it was Remembrance Sunday at the weekend, the armistice, for those who call it different things. Um, and part of the deal we've got at the Scouts 
uh, with the church where we have our meet is that we attend services every now and then. Mm-hmm. So we did like a parade for uh, Remembrance Sunday with some flags that we made, all lovely hand-sewn flags for the scouts with like embroidered badges and wolves' heads and shit like that. And really cool poles with wolves brass. Heads? Yeah, like the scout emblem. Oh, right. Sorry. And, uh, yeah. And well, I have actually got a full wolf head that I want to like cast. And yeah, but anyway, that's another story. Um, and the, the finials on the poles are all lovely brass. Um, I need to make another one. So I need to speak to someone about how to cast things. Maybe make a bronze one. I don't know. Um, uh, which was nice. And then uh, Monday night, we were making stuff for the Christmas fair, fair that we hold every year to raise money for the scouts. Um, so we were making like handmade soaps and dog biscuit advent calendars which is a great idea um and a bit of fun um we made some progress with my neighbors vitara Um, so basically one of the big challenges is all her husband's stuff was in the garage and we couldn't get in to the garage and she was really reluctant to throw anything out or even go in there because it was just it was just causing too much stress and trauma yeah but we went through it all she had some closure we sorted some stuff made some space now we can actually open the garage and start the work um stripped all the engine out um i'm really annoyed because that car's got like two hundred fifteen thousand on the clock yeah. but it's fucking immaculate <laughs> <laughs> and it's by far the best condition of all the vitari so yeah. i'm annoyed but also happy that that, that, she's, that she's got a decent <laughs> car to be working on yeah um yeah awesome so uh jorgen is our resident casting Agent. Oh, agent. Okay. Yeah. We'll casting, casting agent. agent. Yeah. But yeah, that guy I, I will. I will attend his couch and see what <laughs> he goes. And just don't. Uh, you know, maybe avoid talking to Raz, even though he's probably going to tell you he knows a thing or two. Just there's no reason. No, don't. No. no. Um, anyway, Steve. Speaking of no reason. <laughs> thanks. I don't know. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to get you to, you know, get better at these segue things. But that's kind of your <laughs> game, right? Thanks, mate. Uh, what have I been up to? You ask. Well, uh, I know you didn't. Um, I don't really remember. Uh, what have I done this week? Sam. Sam came down. Sam Ritty uh, was down from the London uh, and came and spent an afternoon in the workshop. We had a play. It was very fun. It's cool just hanging out um and uh it was quite nice because like sam has some experience in the past but also hasn't done it in a very long time and just kind of wanted to to have a play um and kind of wanted me there just to like, not really teach just be like yeah maybe don't do that like and just jump in with essentials and I essentially just got to have the easiest teaching thing I've ever done because it was literally just try holding the hammer slightly different and relax a little bit. Cool. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it for two hours. Um, And that was it. And it was really good fun uh, hanging out with him. Um, Other than that, it's just been work and getting stuff sorted in in my workshop. Um, It's been a bit of a nightmare because over the last, like, three years since I was last regularly in my workshop uh, all the tools and everything has been slowly like taken out and gone other places so every time I start doing something I'm like oh I need that tool fuck that's at Joe's workshop or shit that's at mum and dad's or 
I don't know where that is. Um, so yeah, uh, it's been a bit of a mess, but been slowly getting through th stuff, um, working on a couple little projects. I do, doing that thing of like doing 16 different projects all at the same time because I'm just flitting from one to the other. Um, it's not really sustainable, that, Steve. I know, right? Uh, and I actually... Um, I was going to say resurrected. I didn't resurrect because it was never actually broke. But I've I've got the little like one by twenty. I think it is um, like the my first belt grinder grinder that um, that Joe originally had and he gave to me years ago. That's been sat in my garage, so has been basically underwater for the last two years. Um, and uh, plugged that in, and it just started working straight away, uh, which is great. Um, so I've got that working. Um, I've fixed my bandsaw, which the blade kept coming off of the top sprocket thing. Oh, did you, get, did you get yours off Tim as well? Yeah, right. Um, well, the blade kept coming off, but to the point where it was actually cutting through the guard, um, which was annoying, but you could adjust the angle of it. And like all belt sanders ever made. Yeah. Uh, by belt sander, do you mean bandsaw? No, all belt sanders do that as well. Like the oh, hand yeah, yeah. ones, they yeah. cut through. Yes, uh, he knows. He knows what I mean. I, I know what you mean now. Um, but yeah, so fix that. Got that working. Uh, I'm gonna make a like a table for that, so that I can use it as an upright as well as the um, down one, vertical, horizontal, horizontal one. Uh, so I can use it for actually like cutting stuff out as well as cutting stuff short. Um, and yeah, and other than that, it's just been kind of playing with stuff, um, which well, yeah. isn't really a sustainable yeah. method of, of business. Uh, I'd have to actually like produce stuff, which segues beautifully oh. into our topic this week, which is sustainability. It's not sustain. Is it sustainability? I can't remember the exact word you used, but it's it's stuff that's sustaining. Sustaining. I've said sustain too many times and now I can't sustain. Um, <laughs> Al, do you want to take it over? Whoever's editing this, can we put loads of sustain on it when Steve's I talking? Hope, <laughs> I hope. Sustain. Um, yeah, yeah, so in my fucking depressing industry, um, sustainability with a, with a big S is used as buzzword bingo by companies and brands as, a, yeah. as a, an attempt for some sort of um, corporate social responsibility yeah. uh, where they they say things like how can we how can we communicate our sustainability credentials uh, in order in order to appeal to you know a certain demographic mm -hmm. and what they mean is is there a cheaper way of producing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so things like we've reduced the amount of cardboard in our packet. What they mean is they, they, it's cheaper now yeah. than it yeah. used to be. Or we, we now only ship this much uh, fairy liquid in our concentrated bottles. It's like you mean you've reduced your logistics costs. Yeah. And it's a sort of vulgar attempt to pretend that you care about the environment when all you're doing is producing things. Mm -hmm. which which we don't need for money mm -hmm. um yeah. and and you know damaging the environment less than you did yesterday is not helping the environment it's just damaging it less yeah and the word sustainability has just come synonymous with greenwashing and saying you're doing something for for the environment 
and someone made a really good point the other day that even the the sort of impression of sustainability is wrong like we are fucked right now yeah it's already fucked why do we want to sustain it <laughs> sustaining the, the status quo is a fucking nightmare i don't want to sustain any of this shit i want to change it or reverse it or you know do something about it so even the concept of sustainability in itself i think is massively misunderstood mm-hmm. um but to your point steve sustainability with a small s like just doing stuff that is you can actually continue you know i can't sustain this job because i'm gonna burn out at some point you know i can't sustain my way of living because you know i just can't afford it so that yeah. you have to, you have to go right this isn't working so what what is a sustainable model what is this like for your mental health and for your energy levels you know you can't work long hours every all day every day you're just fucked yeah you know you can't live on like that food all the time because it just, just, it just doesn't work. I don't um, know what you're talking about. I'm definitely going to live off this rice and brisket so I, for the I, next. I think. I think you know. There you go, Brett. Your approach to a sustainable business model in terms of how you, you know, survive mm-hmm. is is really compelling because it's it's unconventional and it 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 requires a different approach. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I think sustainability in general, whether it is about the environment, whether it's about um the economy or whether it's about just responsibility in general i'd love to i'd love to take some different approaches to it and talk about how you know how we can sustain things mm-hmm. you know on our scale how, how how is how is your hobby sustainable how is your approach to making steve sustainable you know if you've no longer got access to offcuts and scraps like maybe you used to yeah what's your approach now is it about scraps is it about you know I, I get through because I just re- remake a lot of things and reuse a lot of things and bodge things together. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I'm concerned, um, I know I do have access to things like scrap and mm. and throwaways that um, because I'm such a, a scrounge when it comes to usable materials because I hate buying things new. I understand that the steel manufacturing companies aren't going to necessarily stop, but... A big portion of blacksmithing and why I think I fell in love with it is I'm not that big of a fan of plastics or non-reusables, things that don't biodegrade. And I know steel isn't necessarily going to turn back into carbon tomorrow, but it I feel like I'm not really throwing steel scraps into the ocean that are going to get <laughs> into the fish that we are then going to eat, then we're going to have plastic in us. And a lot of this, it's so timely that we're talking about this because i just listened to ologies which steve turned me on to a while ago but they just had an entire episode dedicated to not sustainability but it was a uh, a waste management Hmm. worker somebody on a high level within like the new york state waste management company and one of the questions that ali ward asked she's like be honest with me how fucked are we with the amount of trash that we've, we've produced and like these landfills and things. And the lady goes, professionally, uh, getting better. Personally, we are so fucked. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. So going back to my own life and what I choose to do, I'm, I know that I will use materials that will break down. Like they will eventually have to be replaced. I'll have to recoat things in oils because I don't like using latex paints. Um, 
and I know that I've had some issues with sourcing enough material and there's always a uh, there's always a bit of a trade-off right because going and buying propane or if I'm using coal in the coal forge there's plenty of people that can make an argument for like stop using fossil fuels mm -hmm. you know because that's not good for the environment and everything I try to keep an active tally it's just a mental tally on like what am I taking in and what am I putting out and then what's going in the garbage and the fact that in my area where the property is, I'm only given one bin and it's very large and it's enough for, like I would, I would assume these kind of bins are what you would see out of like a small reconstruction happening at somebody's house. It's <laughs> fucking huge. And I think I put like one bag of garbage in there once every two weeks. And that always makes me feel pretty good because it means I'm still producing work, but I'm clearly not producing a lot of waste mm. in the process. It's the reuse of the steel always scrounging around for usable material at antique malls or flea markets or whatever the hell I can do to scrounge up extra material and maybe not have to pay for it so much. <laughs> but I think it goes beyond that, Al. And you brought it up even last week when we were recording uh, where systemically, like to change the system and have it actually benefit both sides because most people only think about the, like, well, what if we stop using plastic? You're like, well... <laughs> It's going to end up doing a lot of bad things to the economy across the world. And that could create even more problems. So how do we figure out viable options to like get the best out of both sides um, and, and try as hard as we can to, to do better each day, like you're saying. I, I like to try and focus on getting a little bit better, waste a little less each day, buy a little less plastic, buy you know, as many reusable items as I possibly can. Go on, Steve. Yeah, I mean, like, because I quite like the the way that um, the Brothers Make guys are uh, are approaching things because they're they're making it their gimmick, their shtick, that they're reusing these plastics. Um, and by doing that, they're showing people that it it is a reusable material. In well, the HDPE is anyway, um, and they're kind of in a weird way making it cool to reuse it um there's a company that um has approached us about some knives that they want us to make some blade blanks um and they want to use uh recycled plastic handles um for that so they just want us to produce um the actual blade blanks uh they're going to handle it with this this recycled stuff so i think like it's it's nice being able to work with um with people like that that are uh that have that at the fourth fourth forefront of their mind and their business mm. model um but that's uh it's quite nice being able to to kind of mix the traditional aspects of of a craft mm. like like blacksmithing with something quite modern like that but i mean that's that's a very let's say that, that we're going into kind of recycling and eco-friendliness and stuff like that and i know you've got a point but i was just going to switch up slightly about and talk about the um uh the kind of sustainability in terms of how we produce things and how we uh, make it and how we keep going um so like i know you said about um like how do i sustain making stuff now because obviously like i said before i had access to scraps and stuff like that and access to a quite well stocked um uh 
stockpile mm-hmm. of, of materials and things. Um, and I no longer have that. I still have <laughs> quite a lot of, of scrap, um, or not scrap, but of, of like random bits of stock. But for most of the stuff that I want to do, it's it's not ideal. Like I need standardized sizes and, and things like that. So there's there's two options for me. Uh, one is, you know, uh, I've, I've had someone approach me about a, um, a project they want me to do. Um, it's going to require um, basically making a product and something that's going to be repeatable. So I'm going to need to buy in stock of a certain size, know what size that is and work off that. So with that, it means that say I know that I'm going to be using four meters of that stock size and it comes in six meter lengths. Well, they're getting charged for this full six meters. So I've now got two meters of this stock size that can go into my kind of um, my own personal stockpile as well. Um, but also the the like random bits that I've got. And when I go to um, uh, auctions and things like that, and they're they're selling off um, random bits of material or things that aren't necessarily stock, as in they're not like standard sizes. Um, they, you know, it might be because I can't think of another example. It might be an old fireplace set that someone made that's a bit naff. But that's the beauty of steel is I can just reforge it. I can turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think like being like open to doing stuff like that, and the beauty of of working with things like that is that then means that I'm not just making product. I'm not just making stock. I can experiment with it a bit, a bit more. I can use those non-standard things to experiment with texture, to experiment with different techniques, to experiment with whatever and, and produce stuff that isn't just this this product. It's more uh, like what Chris was doing where he just makes art from random bits of material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think we, what you bring up about sort of people's approaches to things and and... Call, you, know, you call it the brothers bake as a as a shtick, right? But that's what yeah. they've chosen to do. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're doing something, right? Yeah. And and you read you read some of the comments on their stuff, and there's people like going, "Oh yeah, but how much fucking energy does it take to heat up a toasting iron and then melt the plastic?" And it's like, <laughs> well, have you done all the calculations? Yeah. You know, are you coming to that conversation? It's like it, like I often but get also, bit, if that if that fucking electric is coming from like a renewable source like wave energy or something like that then go go fuck yourself but even that it's like have you have you actually are you going to come to this conversation have you thought it through like i i get a bit of stick for having like shitty old cars because like they're not particularly fucking fuel efficient and they give out more emissions than modern mm-hmm. cars right it's like yeah but have you actually worked it out yeah Cost have you action yeah exactly like how much are you bringing to this conversation other than sort of shallow and that that's my that's my frustration with sort of corporate entities it's that shallow level i'm just going to do one thing without actually working out and thinking it through and seeing the full effect of things and that's why we're in the state of in like you talk about steve how we're going to produce things I've, i've been visiting a couple of farms lately because of one of my clients yeah and basically they were just saying that in 15 20 years there's going to be no nutrients left in the soil in the UK. Yeah. And that's not like scaremongery. That's basically no. just like, if we continue to farm the way we farm, yep. without using traditional methods, where you actually rotate and you you give back to the mm-hmm. land, we're literally going to be in the state that the US is in, where you just have to rely on artificial fertilizers, you yeah. know, and you turn it into a dust bowl and move on. Yeah. And it's and like... The thing, the thing is, is we've, we've known this for fucking years as yeah. well, and we've just not done anything about it. 
because because nobody's worried about sustainability no. like genuine sustainability no one's going actually maybe you know the the, the idiom of like the, the world benefits when men plant trees the shade in which they're never going to live it under yeah. it's like it's the same with education you know if yeah. we don't if we don't continue these skills what's going to happen in 50 years time when you want your, your fireplace making by a blacksmith yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's who's johnny seashell going to turn to when he wants a bespoke beautiful raw iron stand for his massive whale bone <laughs> Because there won't be there won't be any breaths, you know there won't be any breaths. Everyone will just be coders and developers. It's (laughs) it's kind of tough to talk about this stuff though, knowing that, um, and I'd love to hear an argument against it because I'm having a hard time justifying it myself. But it it seems like when you really parse down what the priorities should be of your own work or the idea of sustainability going forward, making things like art. Mm. sculptures and things like that they serve no other purpose than nice to look at you know or or showing forms off or something like it's a it's an unnecessary thing to create but it is inherent in human nature to want to create art or like uh you know cave paintings and things like that it was just recording of history and and it is something that i feel like i'm doing with the fossil work but it's not it's not necessary. It is not a necessary thing to do. There is a there is a want for it, but there is no need for it. So I would disagree. I think that there is a need for art. Um, and anybody who's ever listened to me talk about art knows my views on it already. But like I, I, I think it's a massively important thing. I think with art, you you use it to inspire people you use it to educate like education in its purest form is very fucking boring it's very fucking dry but art can be used to inspire people that aren't in formal education to to learn more to to act upon something um that's what art can do yes it is there is art that is just pretty to look at and that is not really art in my opinion it's just design um but the the kind of purpose of art other than itself is to inspire you know you use art to um to create talking points you know you you create a a beautiful masterpiece that gets people talking about the thing that it's it's designed about um and that's kind of the its purpose is to to start a discussion um so i think art is important i do think it is important to do that um but you have to also help guide that um, that conversation. You have to be involved in that conversation. Um, if that's the kind of, if that's your worry that it, what you're doing is frivolous, then you need to guide that conversation. Although I would also argue that a stand for something else is not art, it is just design. Ooh. It's not art, Brett. And... Um, so yeah, and I, and I know I know you were being provocative, Brett, when you when you talked about art being of worth. Um, but you you sp- speak to a psychologist about like the correlations between creativity and human empathy and understanding. You know, it, the the way we are wired, those things are really important for for civilization. <laughs> you know, it's not about entertaining us on cold winter nights. Like 
the the part of your brain that is creative is is vital for yeah. society um, and problem solving. Like if you if you produce a fucking app right that manipulates people and and is designed to make money, you can be successful, right? But you're not passing anything on. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the next generation is not going to learn anything from the thing mm-hmm. that you did. Whereas if you if you if you create something artistic, be it a story, you know, a, a work of art, a piece, something that is visually stimulating, something that is original and you know engaging, that then inspires the next. Like you say, Steve, that is that is sustainable. That is mm. that is a model that has since the dawn of time, since we were able to speak and spit on the walls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is that is what has been sustained and it's still happening, which is testament mm-hmm. to that being fucking valuable. Yeah. Versus civilizations collapsing, banks collapsing, you know. <laughs> the I bet the Romans thought they were great at one point. <laughs> yeah. But now look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that it none of that stuff is sustainable. You know, even now the fucking economy of the most developed country in the world is tanking. Yep. So even the way we like approach capitalism is not sustainable yeah and that's that's when you get into the how was the system built and this is a discussion i think i've had with you guys maybe offline and i've definitely had it with uh friends and and family alike in the last few years but the idea that all of these systems that we developed and put into place that trickle down to us even on our smaller scale but we kind of learn (coughs) from the, the things above us or the companies above us or, or maybe teams um, that do a thing that we want to do individually. But it's the reason I kind of avoid having discussions about like politics and religion and, and stuff like that because it can get so convoluted, um, not only with opinions and facts and numbers and all kinds of stuff, but really it's just like everything grew and everything got really out of control just based on scale. So when companies talk about scalability and like you're saying, Al, these companies that write an app and then it's like, okay, so your business model capitalistically based is that you're meant to scale. So you just keep Mm -hmm. making apps or adding DLC to your apps or whatever. When it comes to uh, like why politics to me gets a little frustrating. It's just like, yeah, when it was here in the States when it was just a handful of people standing in a room talking about what the golden rules should be for a society. It was a lot different when the population was 1% of what it is now in our country. And now that everything's scaled outwards and when you personally think about maybe scaling your work or your hobby or you start thinking about it, like what kind of standards and practices that you put, do you put into place that will scale when creating your own system Versus, again, this is my opinion, I feel like a lot of things have failed just because systemically everything's got to scale. Everything's got to get bigger. There's more people involved, which means we need more stuff, which means we need more groceries, bigger stores, more shit available all the time. Go on, Al. Jump in. Yeah. If you're trying to outdo someone. So if, if, you're, if you're in an environment where you're trying to outdo someone, that is the problem. Because, yeah, it, because right, but if you think of like different industries, different trades, right? A builder is not going to show you how to fucking point bricks for free. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, an investor is not going to show you how to make money unless there's money in it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everyone we know will happily go out of their way to share creativity, 
and show people how to do the things that they are passionate about because there is value in spreading that and keeping that going. So again, sharing that passion, sharing that knowledge, sharing that skill is sustainable. Trying to outdo one another for gain is not Mm. because you just end up dog eat dog Mm -hmm. until there's one man in the world that owns is a trillionaire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this is getting dangerously close to just getting into politics. Um, (laughs) And uh, I'm going to avoid that. That's um, all right. Yeah. I'm, I, when I, I make things out of steel. Yeah. <laughs> but the the one it, it was interesting you talking about scale because the uh, the one that springs Scales to mind is the um, the owner of Arizona Tea. Um, like that company grew and grew and grew, and he basically just maintained the business. He maintained the business ethos, just increased production, kept the price point the same to the point where. The when he was scaling stuff up, he was doing stuff to uh, to Al's earlier point, like just making it so that it was cheaper. Not and not doing it in a uh, oh we're going to drop the price and we're going to do this and we're going to put special offers on and oh look at how great we are. It was like it was literally just I want to make sure that this just stays at like whatever it is like two dollars for a can of iced tea, like and that was the whole point. Like he used the economy of scale to sustain an affordable, mm. simple product. Um, so I think like it is possible to do. It is it is possible to uh, to increase and to to maintain that um, that sustainability and that that kind of core ethos with um, with scale. Uh, but I think it's got to be something that people make an active effort to do, rather than going, well, I'm making pulling numbers out of a hat i'm making 50 cent per can and i'm selling a thousand cans so that's great i'm making a lot of money i could actually like if i make 30 cent per can but sell ten thousand cans like that's even better but what people are actually doing is they're going well i'm selling a thousand cans and i'm making 50 cent per can so how can i make a dollar per can instead and like they they they, um Make them out of cheaper material. <laughs> yeah. I, so so I, I used this analogy at, at work, Steve, the other day because I was getting frustrated with, with this this sense of like economies of scale, right? Hmm. So the bean the beaners at work sorry, that sounds like a racist slur. The bean it's, counters it's at work. It's a very <laughs> racist the thing bean over counters here in the at work. Yeah. <laughs> not not the Mexican people at work. The bean counters at work. Um are under the impression that larger numbers are worth more. Yeah. So if you have a client that brings in 250 grand, that's better than a client that brings in 30 grand. And it's a really shallow, naive, immature way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. Because if you had a container ship full of, like, sneakers that was worth a million dollars, right? Or if you had a tiny gold nugget that's worth 10 grand the tiny gold nugget is way like order of magnitude more valuable than a million dollars worth of of sneakers but i don't think that's how a lot of people think no (laughs) because you can you can get get rid of that gold in an hour yeah with zero effort and no outgoings or resources Mm -hmm. but i i'm fighting a constant battle every day with multiple not just the people i work for but our clients the the suppliers the producers 
where the only ambition is scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, actually, that's a quick win. That's low-hanging fruit. I can yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. And, or that requires zero stress. And I think yeah. that's a really important thing as well. Look, sustainability is not about numbers. Sustainability is about, like, the impact on people as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I think too often it, it comes down to statistics and we saved 33% of plastic or we yeah. added 10% to our iced tea sales. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but at what cost? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think, like, it's interesting you talked a little bit about creativity there because I think, like, in my very recent experience, like, with uh, scaling things up, you it's not possible to sustain um creativity within it because Mm. at some point you're gonna have to just like just make product and um and if that's what you want to do then that's fine but it's it's very difficult to sustain kind of creativity when you do scale up Mm. um especially if you're scaling up because you're selling a single product or a small range of products um because I know that's something that happens a lot in the maker community where people find one or two products that sell really well, whether it's fucking boot jacks or <laughs> whatever it is. Like, you know, th- th- people... Spartan chopping boards. Yeah. Or fucking, uh, the fuck, it's coming to my head. Chopping boards. Fuck me. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But like, you know, people make two or three products and they sell really well and they go, oh, fuck, I'm going to make shitloads of these because. Are making money from it mm. and you kind of have to stop and think well wh- why are you doing it in the first place are you doing it to make money and so you can quit your your full-time job and go full-time doing that mm-hmm. and if that's the case then what wh- why do you want to quit your full-time job do you want to do the, do, do you want to do woodworking because you think you can make a load of money from it or do you want to do it because you enjoy the creative part of it and if you enjoy mm-hmm. the creative part of it then turning it into a full-time job where you're just selling a single product is not going to be fun. Like, that's not enjoyable. Um, like, Dandles is a great example at the moment. Like, his um, like his uh, new business venture is... Bevel. Bevel mm-hmm. is, um, is... Like, the work is beautiful. It's really interesting. And I know that, you know, he's happy to batch out uh, a few of, of whatever... But I, I know that he doesn't want to do just that. He wants to create a mm-hmm. decent range. He wants to maintain that creativity. He wants to use it as a way of being creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's where it gets really difficult. And mostly because you fall into the trap then of you either have to, um, you have to maintain a bread and butter line of products where, you know, you, you make these bottle openers, you make these plates, you make these cutting boards or whatever, and you batch them out and you just go, right, okay, well... I can't sustain the business on selling any less than like two weeks worth of these per month. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to say, right, well, is that sustainable for me? Is it, is it sustainable to do two weeks of shitty, boring, like grunt work mm-hmm. uh, to then have two weeks of a kind of fun where I can, you know, if I don't sell the product, I might not be able to go out this weekend, mm-hmm. but... I can get the bills paid because that's what I'm mm-hmm. like. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with the the driving job. Um, you know, that's that is my. I do this and I can pay the. I can't actually pay the bills, but you know, I I do this and you know it. That that's my baseline. Anything I make mm-hmm. on top of that is 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 a bonus, 
and I could go out, I could go into the workshop and I could just be making, you know, just simple bottle openers or whatever, just making mm-hmm. a product range and selling that, selling stuff that I know will sell. Um, and to a certain extent, I am going to do that. There is going to be a bunch of stuff that I sell uh, as product um, because I know that it will make money. But the whole point of doing this is that I maintain a certain level of creative control because at the end of the day you know your customers are the people that that dictate whether or not you can have that creative control because if they're only buying the the bog standard stuff that has no creativity in it then that's what your business has to to produce mm-hmm. um so yeah it it's it's a very tricky balancing act to to kind of sustain creativity and enjoyment whilst also um doing a a business thing sorry I've, re- I've had like four hours sleep in the last two nights so i got halfway through you had a lion yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and kind of trailed off a bit there but yeah sorry brett you go no you're right uh i i mean this could go in so many different directions too right this is a big can of worms that we can open or continue to open because it just gets there's so many variables involved and opinions involved in sustainability or what someone can do to sustain themselves and their lifestyle. Steve, everything that you just talked about um, is proof that you are finding solutions to sustain your lifestyle or at least the path that you're on right now. Yeah. And you're doing by any means necessary. You just may not be the most ideal situation. You may not have exactly what you need in the shop to do everything that you need to, but you're finding a way to sustain and uh again it's it's me sharing my opinion but i'm a big fan of living within your means and not being the person who needs to win however you think that yeah i don't know however you think that actually should get translated but i know over here in the states especially when i was growing up in where i am now a lot of the successful people in the area, regardless of what they did for a living, it was just who's got the biggest house, the biggest yard, the most property, the fanciest cars, the most money, blah, 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 right? Very typical. We see it in um, musicians and uh, actors and actresses and all these celebrities or whatever that are very uh, well paid and have lots of money to throw around and burn. But for those of us that are on the other side of the spectrum, where we just want to be able to exist and live hopefully enjoy our little time on this ball of dirt spinning around a ball of fire i want to live within my means so sustaining for me is if you want to parse it down it just comes to like upward trajectory i always want to be going up as best i can doesn't have to be fast and it doesn't have to be a very steep incline of of progress and flag markers being made where Oh my God, it's just last year I was here. Then next year, oh my gosh, everything's going up in terms of money, house, you know, worldly yeah. possessions and things like that. I just want to maintain an upward trajectory of like, what have I learned? How much better have I gotten at things this next time around? Have I gotten better at sourcing material or reusing stuff? Did I realize my operating cost has actually gone down, which means I am profiting more next year because I'm just doing a better job of not spending as much. To me, that's sustaining. And I do think it's easier. Again, it's opinion, but I think it's easier than at least our society over here has come to believe. Like, you you have to own a new car. 
And yes, we've talked about how they, they go shit, you know, in like three years yeah. nowadays, but it's like, better have a nice car, better have really good insurance, better have kids, better have a, a partner, better have wife, or better have a house, better have all these things, possessions, possessions, and they're all markers for what is being successful, yeah. at least where I grew up. And no one, Steve, even at our age now, where it's like, if you were to just go, yeah, I'm kind of done with it. And I think I do want to just like travel around and maybe do some odd jobs here and there, because that's going to make me feel like I'm sustaining the path that I'm on. Yeah. And you get rid of the house and you get rid of all this stuff. You get rid of the workshop or whatever. I don't think anybody would judge you per se and be like, oh my God, Steve's lost it. He's gone full van life hippie. <laughs> you just, you've taken a new path and you're finding the way to sustain that trajectory uh, yeah. But I think 20 years ago, people would have thought you were an absolute nut job for doing that. <laughs> but there's that uh, that kind of meme that that's gone around a few times, where you know, like 20 years ago, it, if you told someone that you wanted to live in a van by the river, then they would have called you a, a dirty hippie and given you shit for it. Whereas now, they encourage it, but it's going to cost you 120 grand, and because um, they've got to sell you this nice fancy van. Um, but yeah, like I was listening to a uh, a podcast today that Mark um, Adams recommended, uh, and it's the Self Helpless podcast, um, and it was with Whitney Cummings, I think. I did, I don't remember. Um, but they were talking about goal setting and like uh, like how how being being successful and, and all of this sort of stuff, and um, and it was quite interesting because. The Whitney was very um, adamant that she, you know, she wants to make money. She doesn't, she, and she wants, she she doesn't care that people know that she's rich. Um, and whereas a lot of people, kind of, um, they want to be successful, but they want to, they don't want to throw it in people's faces. Um, and she kind of said, the thing is, is it, it's about setting your goals. Like, what what is your goal with this? Um, and you, you know, you set that goal and you you aim to achieve it and. And the idea was that you make that goal kind of unachievable or unquantifiable so that you are always driven to, to keep going for that. And I I find that uh, quite difficult like because if the goal, if, if, it, if I never get that dopamine hit of I've achieved it, then that doesn't work for me. Um, but it made me think about what my goals are and Brett, you, you saying about like the fact that I've changed things up. Like my my goal is the same now as it's pretty much always been, which is to be happy. Um, yeah, yeah. And like it's that's not a hard goal to understand, but it is quite a hard one to achieve because you have to you have to balance so many other things to be able to do it, and to to be happy briefly is is fairly achievable. But to sustain it is where it gets a bit more difficult. Um, and that's where the, the kind of balance and everything comes in. Yeah, I, I always think of su- sustaining as like treading water. Yeah. Like like you say, Steve, like uh, it's about survival. I just want to make enough to pay my bills. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, right, but then what's changing? What are you going to, what, what, how is the world going to change? Um, I'd much more be interested in like regeneration or a total renaissance. Yeah. You know, instead of sustainability or to Brett's point, learning or growth or yeah. even reduction. 
Yeah. Like, to your point, people want to go and live in a fucking van and get rid of all the possessions. Like, this might sound utterly madness to people, but I, wa- I want to earn less money. Yeah. Right? I want to be in a position where I don't need as much as I'd need to make it through the month. Yeah. I'd much rather be, you know, have a lower salary and have lower outgoings and lower fucking shit to care about and worry about. Yeah. And live a simpler life with less shit. And and strip all the stuff away from my life that I don't fucking need, you know. So yeah. it's like actually, it's more about then it becomes about focus, not sustainability. It's like this is the thing that matters to me. Like Brett, going to the middle of nowhere, build a house with the the the, the minimal viable product of the shit that you need to survive, and then go right. I need air, water, electricity, right? And it's like this is it, and then, yeah. and then work mm-hmm. from there, and then you can focus on learning. You know, developing yourself, skills, mm. not treading water. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like it's an unpopular opinion just because it, it, it is opinion. But I feel like we were all kind of raised to think that there was a process to how our life needed to go. And a lot of it was based on the age, right? At 21, it's this. At 25, yeah, it's what's, this. What's your five-year plan? Exactly. And... I mean, we're all very aware of it, and it's memefied all over the internet nowadays, where it's like, why do you think 30-somethings can't afford a house? Or why do you think, you know, we can't even rent a place long-term because everything's getting, you know, money's so much different, the economy's so much different, and stuff was different 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I feel like there is a, a regression, but in a positive way, of people wanting less. And I, I'm glad that we talk about it on here because I do feel like a lot of our community is like, I don't, I don't need more. And there was actually a, uh, a video of Jim Carrey doing an interview sometime in the last few years where he's gone on a completely different path, right? He like found religion and did his own thing. But in this one interview that I watched, he has a really pertinent line where he's just like, you're not going to hear a lot of celebrities say this, but I have enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. And I just want to enjoy it. And hearing it from somebody like that who, yeah, like you don't have to be a fan of him. The guy made a lot of money and was very successful in the movie world. And he just decided he didn't need any more. He's done enough. And he's probably getting royalties still nowadays, you know, that are able to cover pretty decent amount of costs for somebody just to exist. And although we all, the majority of us aren't going to have that same kind of option, you know, People that do YouTube that are successful can have a video that pays them out for the next however long YouTube exists. But stuff shifted over there too, right? So that short-term gain of what YouTube can be to a lot of people is shifting. There's more people involved. It's a lot more diluted nowadays. And this idea that people might be taking a better look at needing less. And we don't really have to adhere to the idea that success can only be gauged by the amount of shit that you own and how much money you make. I'm still a big fan of what is your operating cost and do you perform above that each month? If your operating cost is fucking $50 because you live in a tent on some open land that no one has to pay for and you make $75 a month and can somehow like feed and pay for yourself or whatever, you're more successful than like 60% of the people that live in the United States financially everyone's in debt everyone's just trying to get to that next thing so they can make more money so they can have more shit so they can do it 
whatever. I'm sounding super preachy now, but let me get off my soapbox. I just think we could all do a better job of like performing better, thinking outside of ourselves more. The idea of being able to pass on knowledge and the storytelling that we've talked about before, you know, like how do you keep something beyond yourself, beyond your timeline here? It doesn't come down to how many possessions you own. It becomes what can you pass on or what do you know that is non-tangible that will outlive you? That's more important to me. Yeah, I want to be happy, Steve, just like you do. But I also... I don't want you to be happy, Steve. I I want to know... I want to know that I've done good things in my time here and hopefully try to spread good vibes and like be a good person to as many people as I can. And if I can pass on some knowledge of some of the shit that I've learned in my life, awesome. That's a bonus. But I will always try and do more with less. Yeah. I mean, just to go back a little bit to something that Al said about um, the fact that you think of sustaining as treading water. Um, The reason I kind of want to come back on that, and I realize that this has been, this has turned into quite a fucking dark and dreary fucking episode. But (laughs) it's really not, though. It kind of is. Um, But like, just telling facts. Are the facts depressing? Yeah. Um, Massively. Um, But you saying that about the treading water being uh, what you think of, of as sustaining, like, I am wanting to to earn less like i i used to have as we all know i used to have quite a, a well-paid job uh that didn't sustain me as a person um yeah. it wasn't good for me um it sustained your bank account to an yeah. extent yeah yeah exactly but yeah that's I, I was earning good money i was able to eat out quite regularly i was able to go out for a drink with friends when i wanted to i was able to buy gig tickets when i wanted to and it was great um i then went to another job where I was, um, for the most part at least, I was much happier. Um, but the the money situation was a lot worse. And that became difficult. Um, I then ended up working for Alex and doing that. And it just got to the point where it wasn't sustainable for me to keep just treading water, both in terms of my finances and my mental health. Because that's all I was doing. I was just... I was maintaining the status quo, but well, that's what I thought I was doing, but I wasn't. It was just getting progressively worse, and yeah. I think that's something. well. Yeah, tre- tre- treading water is not you're getting tired and yeah. you're going to drown. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the metaphor. And I think that's the thing is like I think of sustaining more as like Brett said earlier, like it's sustaining a a positive trajectory, tra- tra- fucking a positive trajectory, um, rather than just keeping your head just above water because eventually your head goes below water um and i think yeah so so to me i i think that that is a really dangerous um way of looking at i think if you if you are literally just treading water that's not that's not sustainable that's not sustaining that's Mm. that's drowning very slowly like it it's a bad thing that, that is that is unfortunately the, that's the situation that so that, many that, of us are in. That is what sustainability is viewed as. It's yeah. Like yeah. It, it remaining the same. But th- mm-hmm. This is the thing. Is the meaning I, of the word. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's it's being used now as if it's some kind of um, like sustainability as in, oh, we can keep this going forever. 
and we can't because no. it's if, it, if you are treading water it's that's not sustainable um and yeah so i think if if you feel like you are just treading water and you are just sustaining things then look at what you can do to change because that's that's not that's not <laughs> i realize we've said sustain like 50,000 times this episode but treading water is not sustainable you need to to do something to get out of that and whether it's you know you whether it's you take a hit on your finances for your mental health or god forbid the other way around but just figure something out because you know sometimes it is worth taking that that hit on your mental health for a year or two to be in a position where you can get better because sometimes you know sometimes you've got to you've got to spend money to make money sort of thing and sometimes you've got to spend your mental health to make money to make money i don't fucking know i know what i mean um but yeah sometimes you've just got to put a bit of investment in and sometimes that investment sucks um but if you do that sometimes just sometimes the outcome is spiffing Uh, in which case, Al, have you got an order? It's spa. Spa. We did this last week, but we I'm going to go first anyway. We, we did, did it when pretty sure we did. James Maltison pointed out that it's the SBA. Uh, okay. Um, that's, that's throw me. Uh, yes, so it's me. I am going to spiff uh, a company who... Uh, we have spiffed before, uh, and I'm just re-spiffing them because I had a really nice chat with them yesterday. Um, and that is Firefly Screen Printing in yeah! Um They are wonderful people, um, and they, if if you're looking at doing sustainability in terms of like the eco-friendliness, then they have shit that can help you out because uh, they've got all the the eco inks and shit like that as well but also mm-hmm. they're they're actual people you can speak to them and you can talk about your your needs with them um and uh and yeah they had a really good month uh the other day and then they launched their new website and then it was not so good so go and go and help them out help them sustain their business by yeah. ordering your you know if you're getting t-shirts and shit printed up like make a central is coming up if you Want to have some t-shirts printed for that? Go Not use Firefly. like fucking awesome merchandise who took a load of people's money as a crowdfunding exercise and then fucking did a runner and took all the cash. Yeah. So fuck them and don't ever Oof. use awesome merch. Yeah. Yeah. Go and use Firefly instead. Because they are class. Yeah. They're fucking great guys. And in fact, I'm going to go up to see... I'm going to go up to Bristol uh, in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to make sure I've got a couple of hours spare because I'm going to go and see Sam and talk to him about some stuff, including maybe some hillbilly voodoo stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, go go give them some love. In fact, just go and have a look at their Instagram because every shirt that they've put on their Instagram recently I've wanted to buy. Even the designs though. are really cool. Yeah, really and And, cool. and, and, and he recently did a post about... A sustainable business model and yes. talked about how much it takes to yeah. create so this many shirts sell that many over a year they cost this much to produce and that's yeah. how you can make a living yeah so it's really really insightful yeah yeah it was, it was a, uh, that was the post that i was thinking of actually it was a good post um 
but yeah go go see those guys because they're lovely um uh spa brett you are next that's me so i discussed it a little bit uh early on in the podcast but I will put a link to the episode that just happened recently on Ologies. I know we've spiffed Ologies, the podcast, before, but something about this episode. Uh, it's called Discard Discard Anthropology Garbage with Robin Nagel. And I will, yeah, I'll get the link into the show notes. But all they do is talk about uh, what Robin does for a living and what she's trying to do for sustainability at large and she has some thoughts and feelings about what could be what we could be doing as a as a people as well as some fun little stories in there that might make you giggle amidst something that's otherwise a little bit depressing or at least oppressive thinking about what we have to do to to kind of change things for the better um but it's a really interesting episode i enjoyed it again it's like you kind of have to be a glutton for punishment to know that, like, oh, yeah, kind of figured all these things were happening and, you know, we're not really aware of how they've completely run out of uh, landfill facilities in New York City <laughs> and they have to go elsewhere now and they, like, ship their garbage to other states because they can't physically house it there anymore. Yeah, anyway, take the good with the bad. I promise it'll be worth it. I'll put the thing in the shows. Yes. So... Yes. Very quickly on that one, Go I'm on. fairly sure that it was originally Al that spiffed the podcast, but I do remember you and I having a conversation about the podcast in Jimmy's kitchen. Yes, because so, uh, Michael Alm was there and we were just sharing. That's it, yes. Yeah. Fuck. I couldn't remember who the other person there was. Shit, Sam, I need to send him a t-shirt as well. I've got a t-shirt for him wrapped up, but I've not put his address on it or sent it yet. Um, uh Al is last, but first in our hearts. Oh, so I'm going to spiff music. Ooh, just so for those, just music's great. (laughs) Um, For those of you in the UK who have experienced the annual fucking corporate-a-thon, which is uh, supermarket Christmas adverts, um, may have... uh, enjoyed the soundtrack to the John Lewis one because it is a cover of Blink 182's All the Small Things. Really? Um, yeah. I need to watch this about now. And it's by a a band called Puddles Pity Party who is oh, a man who as a clown yes. and does amazing covers of songs. Uh, and it's great. There's there's a mix of like... Um, I can't... From, but- from like War Pigs to Sound of Silence and everything in between. It's great. I can't believe that Puddles is doing the. That's the fucking Lewis awesome. Yeah, that's great. so it's, fucking cool. Yeah, but I, but like the the all the small things works really well as like a Christmas like yeah melancholy tune. It's really good. That's fucking because I can remember when Puddles like first started posting to YouTube fucking like ten years ago. Um, dude, that's fucking awesome. That's that's really made my day. Good. Because yeah, I'm gonna watch that advert in a minute. Um. Watch the advert, go on the YouTube channel, see all the other shit he's done, because it's great. Yeah. Yeah, he has done some fucking awesome covers. Um, that's a very good, good, good recommendation. Um, uh, what do we do next? Any other business? Is there any other business from you, gentlemen? Not from me. 
Al? No. He'll think of something in 30 seconds. Somewhere. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, I think I said it last week. Make a central. Nick's ramping it up. He wants to know who's coming. Uh, let him know. If anyone wants to be a, be a part of it, take part in Make With Makers, um, whether it's running classes or just helping out in general. We'd appreciate the support. Or just let us know if you're coming. Good. Shout. Yes. Uh, I am officially... Steve's coming. As I say, I am officially going according to their Instagram account. Because Nick Messenger... In what capacity are you going, Steve? Are you going with a blacksmithing stand? Yeah. TBC. TBC. Uh, So, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Um, Uh... There is some more AOB as well, uh, which was from the Makers Waffle guys saying that they loved us in an email that they sent after... Ah, email of the week. We've got two emails of the week. We've got two emails of the week. Ah, yes. So the second one... So that was that was from the guys over at Makers Read Waffle. Read it out properly. That, let me fucking finish. That was from the guys over at Makers Waffle, uh, which if you don't listen to, you should, uh, as long as you've got a spare, like, 14 hours. Um... But they uh, they normally record live on YouTube on a Sunday evening at 9.30 UK time. I don't know what time that is in wherever you are, but just use Google. That's what it's for. Um, well, the I, Yanks are getting rid of daylight savings, so that's going to mess with it even more. Yeah. Why the fuck don't we? Like, why do we even do it? Nobody gives a shit Because something, something crops? I don't know. It, the thing is, it... It was to make... I'm not even going to get started. It's a whole other rant. So we do have a second email of the week, uh, or a second email, um, from Mr. Dave Bauer. But this is potentially a whole shopping. So I'm just going to quickly read it out, and then Al can answer the question, and then maybe we'll decide if we're going to answer it or if we're going to talk about it in another episode, a future episode. We could do an after show. Uh, right. Uh, so the email says, Hey, gentlemen and Steve, which the fuck's that supposed to mean? Accurate. Uh, fuck you. Uh, What's that supposed to mean? I want to remind, <laughs> I want to remind Steve to forward this. Jamie said he can remind Steve to screenshot it. Yeah, done that. I actually screenshotted it straight away. I didn't even need to send it to Jamie. Um, I had a question for Al. If he were to visit the Catskill Mountain Maker Camp, which he should do, and you should all come along, Although tickets are already sold out for the hotel, so you'll have to camp if you come along this year. Next camp year. at a camp. I know, right? Uh, but I would highly recommend it because it is fucking good fun. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. What skill would he want to share with the people? And side question, if Brett and Steve were not teaching blacksmithing, what other skill would they share? Uh, and finally, I don't know. Yes. So, yes. So, Al, do we want to do this as a quick answer now, or do we want to do it? I'm not, I'm not interested. It's not a sustainable business model. Ah, you're such a dick. Yes, uh, we, we, we'll bring it up. As a future shopping. Yeah? Yep. Cool. We'll figure out like something it. to do. Good with. question. Cool. There we go. So, we, uh, Dave, you will get an answer. Thanks, Dave. Soon. I like Dave. Dave's fucking lovely. Dave's, Dave's got a people. podcast as well. You should go listen to Dave's podcast, which is... Making problems to solve, I think. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes. Uh, so yeah, go listen to that one as well. It's good. It's good fun. Um, in fact, I think uh, Brett and I have both been on it. Brett, yeah, thanks for the it? invite, Dave. 
I have not been on. Brett, Brett will be on it soon. Uh, I, <laughs> I was on it. My agent, my agent will talk to yeah. Dave, I guess. Our people will <laughs> talk to your people. Handling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what that, do you mean your people? That's one. Oh, that's one of the uh, places where I spoke about art uh, and I had a lovely chat with Dave, and it was very good fun. Um, longest outro ever. Here we no, go. No, it's not. This is right. not finished yet. Yeah, right. this is not the longest. It's not even the outro. This is the, the emails. This is your fault, Brett. You were the one that wanted to fucking remind Want everyone more about emails. Remind Keep everyone, folks, emails. that was to send email. emails to hello at fwdpodcast.com fwt podcast not d i don't know what fwd is fools, fools with, with duels duels sure yeah uh they put the d in gentles <laughs> oh god uh right so on that note uh if you want to find us you can find us in all of the usual social media places you can find me at moonshine metalworks you can find brett at skull and spade 13 and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Al's Sustainable Shack. There we go. Sustainable Shack. Sustainable. I don't. I don't think this, this skit is sustainable. Uh, if you want to find us as a group, you can find us. I used us- to, before the show, when I wrote my notes, have an idea for the Al's Hack Shack thing, but I always forget now that it's at the end of the episode. So what I need is a prompt early on, like I did with the. Uh, the alliteration this exactly week. Yeah. yeah um well i i shall endeavor to remind you i won't because i forget everything but i will do my best um yes if you want to find us as a group then we are ftpd podcast most places if you want to email us as we said it is hello at fwdpodcast.com uh but that's it so until next week do more than just sustain yourself go out and Go be be positive. Do something good. Increase your happiness or whatever. I, I don't fucking know. Uh, right, that's it. We love you. Bye. 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 Steve Clipped out. I managed to keep it quite low. Well done.